0: And Cheryl, where are we we
1: now? Well, I live in Philadelphia now, but I'm from Ohio originally. Columbus, Ohio, as a matter of fact. But I moved here quite a while ago, and um, partly because of the Ritchie family. I was already living in the area, working at Classboro State College, which is now Rowan University, when I started going to an acting school and met Cassandra and Gwendolyn, our other original member. But then I moved back to Cleveland and then back to Philly. And I've been in Philadelphia ever since.
0: All right. And Renee, of course, you're another Philly girl. Go ahead. Yes, I was born and raised
2: right in West Philadelphia. Born and raised. <laughs> Just like Fresh Prince. <laughs> and um, went to school all, all the way through school. And then... Uh, I uh, left the nest and went to college in Westchester University, which is really only 45, oh, a good forty-five minute ride outside of Philly.
0: Uh, of Philly. All right. So then I'm gonna. This is the first question everybody knows that I ask this every show I do. It's like, you know, on the walk of life as little young ladies coming up, where does music find you? How does it all begin? You know, because we know we know the success is later, but how do we? hone these voices, where does this all begin? So I'll let Cassandra take the lead. She'll take lead number one. Go ahead.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, for me, music was always a part of my family. You know, my grandfather played the guitar. People in my family liked to sing and whenever there were gatherings, there would always be music, radio, you know, just always musical um, inclinations within the family. So there was a, a natural appreciation Then, when I got a little bit older, I was allowed to go to the Uptown Theater in Philadelphia and saw all the wonderful, marvelous, fantastic groups that came through. And as a result, I appreciated not only the music, but the live presentation, the show, the showmanship. You know, it was live, all the way live. And I really got to appreciate what people brought to their craft um, and then in junior high school, I began singing in girls' chorus and the Glee Club and then in a neighborhood group. And from the neighborhood group, everything evolved until we got into the Richie family. But music was always there.
0: All right. Cheryl, this is your number two, door number two, Miss Thing. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I got started as a young child. Um, my second mother put me in a choir at our church, St. Paul AME. It was called the We Wisdom Choir. And I sang with them as a little kid. And I think it was about four when I was I joined that choir. And then I started doing music at school, um, in elementary school. And my mother put me in piano lessons. And I started taking voice lessons when I was in high school. And I joined a senior choir as a freshman. They let me come in as a freshman in the senior choir. I've singing in a whole lot of ensembles and groups and was in plays and musicals in school. And then I just kind of went about my way doing other things until I joined the Philadelphia School of Performing Arts in Philadelphia. Um, and that's where I met Cassandra and Gwendolyn. And they asked me if I would sing background vocals with them so we had one rehearsal or two. I can't remember. Cassandra, was it one? And Jacques Morali came into town and got us, us started because he knew Cassandra from a, a previous engagement.
0: Oh, we'll get to that in a minute, Cassandra. You'll explain that clearly. <laughs> and Renee, door number three. Go ahead. Well, let's see. Um.
2: I started singing around three years old, believe it or not, um, at my mother's, uh, what she called weekend parties. You know, the weekend parties? Mm-hmm. they to have all the family, people would come over, she would be cooking all kinds of food and they'd have drinks and what have you. And I'd take a microphone, which was a, usually a shoehorn or a clothespin and get up on the step and sing our day will come i've got two lovers this all those nice oldies and then as we as i moved up in age i just music was always just a part of me as the lady said i was in the choirs as well and very musically inclined at at, in my uh school and i went to parochial school but they had a nun that taught taught the club and what have you and we we had a beautiful choir and then I was in the orchestra, played the violin through high school and um, continued until I decided mm, to go on the road with Sister Sledge, as a matter of fact, because I grew up with them they on the block and uh, went all around the country with them. Didn't sing, but I did do some choreography Gave did little steps. And then when I came back home, I decided to go into teaching. So I put my music on the back burner until I met these ladies.
0: We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a moment. How you came along?
2: Yeah, so, my um, my introduction
1: to music was um, not the same as I think. Sandra had a lot of rock and roll and R and B stuff in her background. I had Tennessee Ernie Ford and Sinatra and Papoon and Doris Day and Miriam Anderson. Those were the kinds of things that were playing at my house until I started babysitting for the lady next door. And she had a Cervant album. And I love that album. I played it so much she finally gave it to me (laughs) because I was wearing it out. Um, But then I got introduced to Gloria Lynn. When I was a kid, I I, uh, listened to Johnny Mathis. I started listening to Jimi Hendrix and George Benson. So I started becoming um, influenced by a lot of different artists, but it was an eclectic mix of artists like Aretha and Dionne Warwick and Stevie Wonder, Chicago, Led Zeppelin. I saw you had a Led Zeppelin T-shirt on the other day on one of your programs. Um, As opposed to... um, Doing what Cassandra did by performing all that music that was R&B.
0: So when you say I had Led Zeppelin, the reason why I had rock and roll on me, I'm really a disco baby, but my wife was the one who introduced me to rock music. And I'm classically trained as a pianist. So I can understand what you're talking when you're saying about the backgrounds. And that's important for a lot of people because we get a lot of producing people watching the show. And they always like to know the musical backgrounds of everyone that's stepping into this. Especially when disco started, there was nothing like it before except the Motown sound. So a lot of people were really influenced more by Motown than anything. Or oh, James Brown. hmm is that funk sound or or motown that was the sound on the radio or wherever you went basically you went to a show like you saw about the uptown theater cassandra yeah. yes. earl young said to me he remember seeing motown people at the at the uptown theater a lot of motown shows in the late in the mid 60s there
2: all of the motown artists came through the uptown all of them, uh, the Four Tops, the Temptations, the Supremes, Martha and the Vandellas, Junior Walker and the All Stars, the um, all of them, they came through and they were all good. They used to have the uh, Motown, the Motortown review, right. and it would be an all Motown um, show. And, uh, you know, they came through individually and they came through collectively, and it was always all good. Trust me on that. And, uh, of course, you know, at the Uptown, you had your James Browns and you had um, uh, all kinds of comedians, you know, Red Fox and uh, Flip Wilson. So they all came through the Uptown. And as a result, you know, they were big influencers uh, in terms of what I envisioned once I started singing with the group, what I envisioned that a group could be. Because what I wanted to do was incorporate all of those different things that those people brought, that energy, you know, uh, with Gladys Knight and the Pips, they brought like a precision to their movement. James Brown brought the excitement. Tina Turner brought the excitement. So as a group, going back down to the honey and the bee days, we wanted to incorporate all of that, but we did not want to copy anybody always wanted to be original because who we admired, each of them in their own right were original so we wanted to to uh, see what made them good what made them outstanding and from that we wanted to incorporate those characteristics and put our own flavor to it
0: so when you say honey to the bee honey in the bees, honey in the bees oh should i say honey excuse me honey in the bees what years were those and what was who was behind that what what was the the whole thing with that
2: Okay, well, it was a a neighborhood group. You know, Gwendolyn and I, we went to junior high school, elementary and junior high school together. And uh, there was some neighborhood girls that had a group called a Superior X. And they asked Gwen and myself to join, and we did. And uh, after a while, we met Nadine Felder, who was honey. She had an opportunity to uh, um, audition with Jimmy Bishop who was a radio, popular radio DJ in Philadelphia, and uh, he gave a lot of the shows at the Uptown along with Georgie Woods. And what happened? He did not want a single female artist. He wanted a group. So since Nadine knew that we sang, she asked if we wanted to all hook up with her, you know, to um, come together and audition for Jimmy Bishop since he was looking for a girl group. So that's what we did. We practiced and we went to him and we passed the audition, and he named us Honey and the Bees. So that's how they came together. And uh, as a result, we began to play the Uptown, and we had the opportunity to play the Apollo Theater. We had the opportunity to travel with James Brown. So it was quite an adventure. It was a lot, a lot of fun, and it was a great learning experience for us and put us on the path to uh, actually be ready when the Ritchie family opportunity came along.
0: So was it, honey? Okay, so I've spoken to other um, R and B artists, and there was a thing called the Chitlin Circuit, as in the beginning, as we all know. Were you were you right away taken from? You went from a, a group that was studio oriented and went right into the uptown theater, or did you have to work your way up with with Gwendolyn? No, well, it kind of
2: happened accident we were doing kind of the local chitlin circuit you know and really what we were doing we were rehearsing. we were honing our skills barbara mason was appearing on a show at the uptown it was a 10 day show and she ended up losing her voice but because jimmy bishop knew that we were ready we filled in the last five days for her and that's how we got our opportunity to play the uptown and the audience liked us, and then we ended up coming back over and over again, playing the uptown, and that's why where other opportunities came in as well, you know, including um, being able to go on the road with James Brown and working with Jerry Butler. You know, we were on the road with him for a while, yeah. and uh, it was just one thing after another. Now, initially with Honey and the Bees, we did do a lot of the smaller clubs and venues. But it was a good experience for us, you know. We did Buffalo, New York. We did uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, New New Haven, Connecticut. You know, so
0: Cassandra, can I interrupt you? Yes. So Gwendolyn Wesley, can you tell people who that was and who she met and what was, you know, who she is?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful story. First of all, she's my very best friend in the whole wide world. She kind of taught me harmony because she already sang before I did, like in elementary school. And when we would walk to school together, we would um, harmonize. And I always credit her for teaching me harmony. She tells me, but you always stayed on your note. So I'm like, okay. So what happened was after Honey and the Bees had the opportunity to go on the road with James Brown, which included, of course, Gwendolyn, we met. Fred Wesley and all of the other JB's, Maceo Parker, Cush, uh, Clyde Stubblefield, um, Jabbo, all of the guys. And they're all
0: greats in their own right. Every one of those names you name are like peak name, big names. Every one of them.
2: <laughs> they were legends, you know? Yeah, legends <laughs> are legends
0: right there. Each one of them. And when you
2: get that you know, it was a connection just you know took off and uh you know after a while they married they're still married they had two sons and living in South Carolina so yeah that was Gwen's um
0: that was her hookup with Fred and all right so in love that's a wild fact because see i didn't even i always wondered who who was the one next to you you know at the time in the beginning of this because how long was she okay so before we get to that part so you guys go from there where does jocks morale and you start this richie family saga or is there an in-between part before that well
2: there was a continuation because there was the honey and the bee part and at one point honey decided that she did not want to do r&d music anymore so, you know, there was like a little lull. At one point, um, she and I had the opportunity to go to New York and do background on a record for Jacques Morali. He was in from Paris, and that was our first time meeting him. And he liked what we did, and he said if he ever started a girl group that he would, um, you know, let us know or he'd want us to be a part of it. And we didn't really think that much of it. You know, we didn't know him that well or what his... Musical taste, world, his ideas, or just what his influence was or would be, um, but as it ended up, he called. He called, honey. And Honey said, you know, I'm not singing R&B music anymore because she decided she wanted to be totally involved in church music only. And she, you know, called me and said, hey, remember the guy we did the background work for? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Well, he called and he's interested in having um, uh, somebody come and perform, you know, and and be a group uh, called the Ritchie family. And it was like, what? You know, so... All in all, Gwendolyn and myself, you know, we were still in close proximity. By this time, I was in the drama school. I knew that Cheryl could sing. And we had asked her about singing with us to do some background studio work because we thought that's all that we would do.
0: Well, that's the question I wanted to ask before you go further. Yep. You, before you even were asked, you went to New York to record. Do you, or was it Philly?
2: it was in new york okay just me and uh um gwendolyn honey. right honey yeah, that was honey that did the background session that uh where we met Jacques and do
0: you remember the song that you recorded
2: no i don't but i remember that the producer one of the producers was patrick adams and i believe
0: where is he put patrick adams on the <laughs> phone <laughs>
2: You know, I don't think even Patrick quite remembers because I tried to jog his memory about when we first met, but it was so long ago. I don't think he really remembered us. I mean, we were just two girls that did background on a song that he worked on many years ago. But, yeah, that's I don't remember the artist. I believe there was a, um, um, a French artist, but I can't be sure about that. It's been so long.
0: Okay. So then he again, he says to you, if I decide to ever make a group, I like to work with you ladies. Yes. So the phone call comes when? When What's the real behind the scenes? What happens there?
2: About two years later, it was when the phone call came. And by that time, we'd had about two or three rehearsals with Cheryl. And the sound was coming along really nicely. So we went down. They wanted to hear us sing. And actually, Brazil had been recorded by three Studio Girls, okay? And he wanted us to audition, and we auditioned by singing Brazil, and we sounded exactly like the three um, studio girls. So by the time we got into the studio and did Best Disco in Town, there's a portion of it where we're singing Brazil as a part of that medley, and we're singing it. You know, it's not their voices. It's our voices that's doing all of that on the Best Disco in Town record.
0: Was it the Sigma Sweethearts?
2: That- <laughs> uh, sweethearts of Sigma,
0: Sigma Sound. Sound. Sweethearts of Sigma Sound. Thank you, Cheryl. You're welcome. Yeah. Wrong? No, you're right. <laughs> so then, see, this is where we didn't realize because nobody ever said on the record they saw the picture and thought it was all you doing it from day one. Because
2: wow. first, the first album, Brazil, wasn't really a group. It was more of a concept album, and they used background girls to do the, the vocals on it. But when they decided after Brazil was such a big hit, they really needed real people to be the Richie family. That's where we came in, and we did our Arabian Nights with Best Disco and, you know, all those uh, tunes. You know, Baby, I'm on Fire and... Um, some of the other tunes
0: that I'm having
1: difficulty thinking of, but you know what I mean. Istanbul, Istanbul. <laughs> wow, because it had pictures of anyone. It had drawings or painting kind of pictures on it.
0: Right. So immediately when the next so, album comes out and we see the three of you, or that. it's like, oh wow, these beautiful women, because gorgeous women.
1: Thank you.
0: And the way they dressed you up with all those beautiful outfits and all that stuff. There was some work. There it was some money spent and some time. Somebody took the time and put it together.
2: <laughs> they had money. Big time.
0: Who was behind it?
2: Jacques Morali and André Bellalo.
0: And it was their thought, right? They had this idea to create the studio because they also did The Village People, which is not too far and much later. My they- brother group. The brother group, right? The brother group. Brother group. Yeah, the or, or the other group. Brother or other, right? Our brother group. <laughs>
1: yep.
0: Okay, so now you guys are rehearsing, getting it right. You go to Philly or New York to do this rehearsal thing, to, to um, audition for this. What happens there?
2: We auditioned in Philly, but our rehearsals thereafter were in New York. We would go up for the entire week and then we'd come home on the weekends. By that time, they had hired a choreographer for us, and they were preparing us to go out and do live shows. Cheryl, take
0: over. Go yeah, Cheryl. She's like, take over.
2: Cheryl, take over. Um, <laughs> hmm. I had to come back and
1: quit my job. Actually, I came back and took a leave of access from my job because I wasn't sure this thing was going to work out. So... Um, what, were, what, were you so,
0: doing, what were you doing at the time? What I the was the
1: director of housing at Glassboro State College, which is now Rowan University. And they considered me their dean of students. Um, I liked my job, but I also love singing. I thought, though, that I was going to be singing and coming home every night because we were going to be background vocalists. So, when they first brought the idea to us, I told them no because I wanted to come home. So, they said, Why don't you just do with us, audition with us, and then when you're finished, uh, if we get the gig, then we'll find somebody else. I said, Okay, I can do that. But once I started, it just kind of takes over your life and you just start loving it because you're doing something that doesn't seem like work. So, um, I came home from New York and told my boss, I need a leave of absence because I had recorded an album over the weekend and he was like shocked Mm -hmm. (laughs) and didn't believe it and so they gave me the leave of absence and I went out but within six months I knew that I didn't want to go back to my old job I loved what I was doing so I quit so they could hire somebody new so um, we did one, one little story about when we went up there to do Uh, the pictures and everything, we didn't have any luggage with us because we didn't plan on staying over, but everything took so long that they had to put us in a hotel, so they take us to the hotel and we have no luggage, and these these two white guys from France that are trying to book us into a hotel, and the hotel in New York didn't take kindly to that, they thought we were, I think they thought we were hookers, and then we were bringing our guys there We had no way to take the makeup off, no way to change any clothes or anything. So that was kind of our introduction.
0: Oh, really? Because you were all dialed up for the photos.
1: Oh, my God. Face beat down, hair a certain kind of way. Yeah. And then we'd go to a hotel with no luggage and two white guys trying to book us in. Please, so, please, we need room for the night for the girls. no way they got us in but it took a little talking because they were going to say no to us
0: so now give us the idea now you girls never had anything like this before like this type of level of professionalism i guess or anything that like you said you worked a regular both of you both working regular jobs even though you had honey you working with honey at the time you were moving into it this is so like was still singing.
1: She was still going out and doing things. I stopped because I started working. I had my degrees and I had a job and I was working my job. Um, when I was in college, I thought I was going to be an opera singer. So then I took German and realized I was not going to be an opera singer because I didn't like trying to learn German. So... Um, when, when I met them, I wasn't doing any singing other than in the drama group, the things that we were doing within the drama group that we were in. I wasn't singing in any choirs or anything else because there was I had no outlet in Glassboro, New Jersey. So this was my first time going different places. And seeing Cassandra and, and, and Wendelin with producers and the way that they behaved uh, struck me as really odd because I wasn't used to people putting on the face, putting on the act for the people that they were. I just was like, who are these women? You know, I, <laughs> I did the, I'd never seen them act like that before. And there they were like, oh, and I'm standing back like, whoa, what's going on here? So right. it took me a longer time to, to acclimate myself to what was going on in, the, in, this, in this world than it took them because they'd already done it before. I had not.
0: Right, you're stepping in from a regular situation and now boom, you're going into like full-on commercial status record instantaneous. You're now going to start traveling the United States and the world pretty much. Yeah. I'm going to Now, let's talk about what year this was so we have a timeline so people know.
2: Um it was like 70, when we recorded uh, the Arabian Nights album, I think that might have been 75, and by the time it was out and really took off, and really doing stuff was in 76, mm-hmm. and we didn't know when we did uh, Arabian Nights whether it was going to be a hit or whether it was just going to be a dud, but it ended up being not only a hit, but an international hit, and we really didn't understand the magnitude of that and what it would mean, but all of a sudden, you know, instead of playing like um, New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and Massachusetts, we were playing Austria, Paris, Brussels, um, Australia, uh, South America, the Philippines. It was like, oh my God, you know, how world and we were thrust into and it was very very exciting
0: well also because even though you picked up from that album and you were the voices you still had all the fame now going from brazil album
2: right and i believe that um the arabian nights was even a bigger uh chart song charted song than uh brazil but nevertheless Brazil started everything.
0: Right. Basically the door opener.
2: Right. Was the door opener. And not being into disco, I didn't realize how big uh, Brazil was, but it was nominated for a Grammy. And all of a sudden we were thrust into the world of this new genre, disco. And um, we were probably one of the first female groups to actually be called or known as a disco group. And, you know, that's that's how we really got into the world of disco through Jacques and Henri. It was what was really big and doing well, trending in Europe. And they uh, got this American group to be into it. And we just totally embraced it.
0: Yeah, because I am I'm trying to figure out the timeline. You said it was two years prior that you met Jacques. So that must have been 73 then. You must have met him.
2: Well, probably that sounds about right.
0: Yeah. Jesus. Wow.
2: Yeah. A
0: lifetime ago. That's exactly right. I was going to say, for most people, that's mo- a lot of people watching this show and not even that old. <laughs>
2: well, let me tell you, um, from what I understand, and some, some uh, doing some research, the Ritchie family was actually the very first female disco group in the United States. There was one in Europe, and I'm not remembering their name right off the top of my head. But I think it was three of them. But at any rate, the Ritchie family was, in fact, the first female disco group in the United States. Didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because the only thing I can think of, as far as a female voice, two female voices that stand through is Gloria Gaynor and Donna Summer. Around 74,
2: 75. And Vicky
0: Sue Robinson. Vicky Sue Robinson, right? May she rest in peace as well. Um mm-hmm. wow. That's crazy. Because that. I'm trying to think, was there any real girl groups? There was. But like, in Europe. LaBelle, yeah, you mean girl
1: group? Girl group? she had the Supremes, she had La Bell, there were not other know that. Not,
0: disco. not, groups. We're we're about not disco groups. for disco. Not for disco. LaBelle would be known as more R&B than disco. Right.
2: No. Disco. Followed by the Ritchie family, I would guess it would be Sister Sledge came after them. You know what I mean? Other, but but actually no, the the Richie family was the actual disco group, female group, and Cheryl and Cassandra. N- neither one of you can remember the group from Europe that was out. I think they were out before the Ritchie family. I don't. And they were with blonde hair, and I really wasn't aware of disco. Oh, you
0: mean so fly, Robin, fly. <laughs> yes silver, uh, convention. silver <laughs> convention silver <laughs> convention that's right there you go that was okay. a group yeah but All that's right. another manufactured group that's not even the real singers from what i understand that was three women put in front with a yeah. studio thing behind yeah. them in europe though it was europe. So the european side yep
2: so I think that's something to be pretty, you know... Take
0: a bow, together. ladies. Take a bow. <laughs> <laughs> and still be here to say it with pride. Absolutely. And glee. Yeah. That's incredible.
2: It
1: was fun, and we got to travel in style. I mean, Jacques and Henri did not play when it came to lavishness of... Where we stayed, what our costumes looked like, where we would be performing—we um, got to really see the world in first-class style. I mean, it was a wonderful thing.
0: How Cassandra, long? We were so how, young. How long did that last? That level of status for this group? For us. For us. Yeah. Well, I mean, for you, I mean.
1: About four years, Cassandra.
2: About three, three and a half, maybe. Three and a half to four, yeah. Dancers. we had a hairdresser, that tra- a hairdresser, hairstylist that traveled with us.
1: Which is um, wonderful.
2: Yeah. You and can go the, swimming and still look good that night. Oh, it's wonderful. We <laughs> <laughs> had a nightclub manager um, and Lee, her name was Lee, that did our hair. She doubled as a valet, so she helped with the clothes as well. So had so,
1: dancers and we had a band.
0: That traveled with us. Bang. Um, Take us on. Okay, so, you know, one of the biggest records for me, I remember the best disco in town. It's like the hottest track. We always, always remember that record. Like everybody goes, the best disco in town. Right? Great song. Thank you. Concept. Conceptually, was it something that you came to them with, or was it something that they had? How did that all yeah. work with them? What was that like dealing with them, them writing the show, the management, production-wise? You you know, break it down for us.
2: That was problematic because, as as exciting as it was, and as privileged as we felt, it became. Um, to a point, it came to a point that we felt like glorified robots because the concept for every album was what Jacques came up with. They would go into the studio and they would record the music. And until I think we did our last music, which was African Queens, they really didn't... Um, make sure that the keys were right for us, you know, we, we worked through it though, I mean, you know, we, we managed but we thought like, wow this song should be in a different key and we had no say about any of the music and personally for me, coming from an R&B background, I wasn't in love all the time with the music, I grew to love it but I felt like I wanted a little more R&B incorporated into the sound but that was not to be and as a result, I think that's what put us on a road with Jacques, um, so that the relationship began to break down because he wanted glorified robots. He wanted to tell us how we should wear our hair on and off stage, and everything that we could and could not wear. You know, we couldn't pick out our own costumes. We liked the ones that he picked out, but we really had no say. So it got to be a little bit contentious and. You know, as I said, the relationship began to break down, and there were arguments and things that were said that were unkind. And you know, then you're not speaking, and the relationship just uh, broke down over over the three years.
0: Was it just that he was a control freak? Would you say?
2: I yeah. think so. That's that's how I interpreted it. You know, <laughs> and, uh, we, our ideas were so bad, but they just weren't entertained or even given a second thought, you know, he says, you know, I am this, I am that, I know how this should be. And it just made us feel like we were just glorified robots. He
1: wanted no input. But originally it seemed like he wanted a group that was similar to LaBelle because that's how we look kind of on that album cover. Yeah. Uh, with the Knights. But Then he started also liking the Supremes. So it was like gowns and furs and you know so it was like he wanted like a composite of those two groups in a sense I thought um but it was what it was and we endured it and we lived and then we ended up not being there for a while
0: all right we'll get to that in a minute Mm -hmm. we'll get to that in a minute so the songs were already pre-presented
1: they were there you just went in and they said sing this
0: Oh, they handed you the sheets. They just handed you the chart sheets that go in.
1: No, they would play the music and say, "Sing this sheet music." No, and I could read, but they didn't. They weren't interested in that. It was sing this, so we would sing it. And then, can you harmonize with that? Yes, sure. So we would harmonize, and we would do different things. But as Cassandra said, it was more like um, we were robots but we weren't robots because we actually had minds and had some ideas that we wanted to share, even if he shot them down, but he would, he didn't want to hear anything, but what he, what was it about him? That was it.
0: Oh, really? If
1: he, been, if he could have been a girl and been in the group, he would have been in that group. I'm telling you, because he really, everything he had for us to do, I'm sure he wished he could have done it himself,
0: but he couldn't because he was a guy. I never got to meet Jocks. I never got to meet him, but I heard the stories. Jocks
1: was an interesting person. He was definitely an interesting person. He had good points and bad points. Sometimes you loved him. Sometimes you were like, oh, my God, can I put up another minute with this guy? And he was very outspoken about our personal lives as well as our professional
0: lives. Oh, really? It was like that, huh? Mm. Oh, really? Like You you girls were stepford wives, basically. You do as I say and don't do as what I tell you. You do it this way, right?
2: Pretty much, pretty much. You know, it's like if we wanted to date people, uh, the, the thing is with Jacques, it was funny because we didn't date on the road as much as he thought that we should have since we had the opportunity. You know, <laughs> girls, girls, You know, these guys, these are so, they are so beautiful. Why don't you go out with them? You know, so his idea of what we should be doing was different from our ideas of what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. Jacques was very free with his love. And um, I guess he thought that we should be that way, too. And I guess it was during that time that was commonplace. But we didn't always feel like, you know, that's the route that we wanted to go. We were more interested in really the music and some serious shopping.
1: (laughs) Actually, the only one that was actually free-free for all this dating that he wanted us to do was Cassandra. Because Gwendolyn had Fred. And I was married at the time to someone that was living in Cleveland. So the only person that could have had that love life that he wanted somebody to have would have been Cassandra. And she wasn't interested. To her credit, by the way.
0: Good for you, Cassandra.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think I dated one guy. Uh, I remember this guy that I can't remember his name, but he was from Turkey. And he was interesting. And we went out and we had dinner. But the problem with dating on the road, especially in Europe, I knew that it really couldn't be anything because I couldn't go back and forth to Europe. They weren't going to come to uh, America. And it was going to be limited to what the relationship could be. So I was more interested in having relationships with the boyfriend back home because at least when I got home, they would be there.
0: <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. And in those days, it took a lot longer traveling around the world because it wasn't like it is now. It took yep. a lot longer to prepare to go around the world. There's a lot of work involved to get around the world in those days.
2: Yes. But it was freer too. We didn't have to go through all the airport security and craziness that you have to go through now.
0: So That's right. There was yeah. no um there was no transponders to check you with all your luggage. You just went right to the gates, right from just yeah. like walk right over, right?
2: Pretty much,
0: yeah. You imagine that? Could you imagine like that now? Can you imagine that you would have nothing except you take your little satchel, you check in and then walk right to the gate?
2: And you don't have to show up. We didn't have to show up two hours before flight time. You know, it wasn't necessary.
0: No, nothing was necessary. there, Just, just champagne waiting. You had the piano in, in first cool. class. <laughs> yeah. You guys, I mean, he traveled. Did he travel to all the gigs with you, chucks? Or were you on your own with your staff? At first they
2: did. And then, you know, like for the first year or so, Um, but then they slowed down. They had a road manager for us. So they weren't everywhere. They were just like half the time they were with us, but not like it was in the beginning before they got the road manager, they were there to do everything. And, um, you know, things just changed after a while.
0: So as, as you guys are getting stressed in the group, okay. And not being able to share the ideas, what are you doing As the three years are going on, you're just going on the road, doing the gigs, getting paid, of course, and all that. Are you starting to make a decision, we're going to leave him? Like, was this being discussed like a coup? Say, I'm going to roll out?
1: No, we thought we could work with him. and We thought we could um, work out whatever issues we had, but they surprised us and hired new people and told us that we were not going to be working with them anymore. But, Cheryl, Andy, it
2: there was a time that when came to the conclusion that she did not uh, want to work with them anymore.
1: Yeah. So she was, she was sick, though. That was part of the problem. She had asthma that was bothering her on the road, and it was too much.
2: And she didn't want to do it anymore. She had mm-hmm. decided she really didn't want to do it anymore besides having the illness, you know, the asthma. And she just was ready to step off. And I had hoped that she didn't do it because as my best friend and the person that I'd always sang with, I didn't want to see her go, but I knew to her health dictated it. And she had a, one small child. When we went on the road as the Richie family, her baby was six months old and it was very hard for her being separated from her mm. child.
0: No, I kind
1: of that. That's all. Cassandra and I were going to continue. That was our original intention. Yeah. But it wasn't
0: meant to be. So what happened? What did he do? Wait. Stop. Let's ask the question the right way. One day you're on the road. Everything is peaches and cream. What'd you think? Next minute? You, what'd you do? Go to a session and you were replaced? What happened? Went to meetings. I,
2: got called, I got called to New York. And I knew something was up because we were... Called to come up to New York to Can't Stop Productions one at a time, not as a group, but one at a time. And when we were called up one at a time, you know, we had our talk with Henri. Jacques wasn't even there and pretty much said that, you know, at the end of this particular contract period, then that was going to be it. They decided that they wanted to go in another direction or something to that effect. And at the time, you know, I felt kind of arrogant like okay so what fine you know do do whatever you want to do I don't care and I really felt that way you know but when I looked back on it you know a few years after that I really felt like a part of me had been cut off and I didn't have a warning and I just said to myself I don't care I don't care but in my heart yes I did care and I was never I never allowed myself to really go there because I knew that it would hurt and I'd miss it. So I decided I'm not going to really do this again. Only background work or whatever. But it was it was a hurt. It was a hurt and it was a big come down.
1: I was called as well and I had my personal meeting. They asked me to stay but told me I had to, to lose 20 more pounds. And I think I weighed 125 at the time and train some new girls that they were going to hire. I'm not training anybody, and I'm certainly not losing weight. And the third thing they said I had to do was move to New York City. And I was leaving my ex-husband and taking my son with me and moving to Philadelphia area, and I had no intentions of taking my young child, who was maybe at that time was about five, I think, and move him to new york city where he would have nothing to do or anything and then i go off on the road and he gets left in new york city with strangers so at that point i quit and that was the first time i ever quit a job without having a job to go to
0: so <laughs> it's a little shocking people wrote what this is i see on my writing what is it writing like what Nobody's body. What? Like what
1: question? And and we were told by um, Phil Hurt. He said he came into the studio ready to teach us our next next songs. And there were three new girls sitting there. He was like, "These girls." (laughs) So anyway, so we went off. We went off to our regular lives, and we did that for a while. And then Cassandra and I tried to form another group. Um, Of course, we couldn't use the name. Richie family, so we named ourselves Kazma Jack, Cassandra. We hired a young, uh, got a young woman named Michelle, who was with us, and that was the meh, and I, my last name at the time was Jax, Mason Jack's. so Casma Jack was the name of our group, and we ended up doing the background vocals for John Lennon's last album. Uh, thought we were going to go on tour with him, and then that dude murdered him.
0: 1980, so that's 1980. That. Yeah,
1: took care of that, Um, So at that point, we just said, oh, well, I guess we're not supposed to do this. And we started going into our regular lives. Um, I started working for the School District of Philadelphia as an administrator. Cassandra had other jobs and things that she was doing. And many years went by. I kept saying to Cassandra, we should sing again. And she was like, no, no, that ship has sailed. I don't feel like doing it. I said, we should. We should really sing again. So one day Cassandra calls me up and she said, I am so sick and tired of looking on YouTube and all these places and seeing these other girls, the new girls, singing, but they're they're moving their lips and our voices are coming out. And she was getting upset about it. So we decided um,
0: to do something on our own. But here's something people are thinking about at home right now. You know, everybody knows about beyond saying those big groups of today and everybody's making, you know, Jenny from the block money and all this beautiful stuff. Now, we know those albums went big and they were gold and platinum selling albums that you girls were on. Were you able to share in any of the finances that Jocks and them were earning from the Can't Stop production side besides the actual money that you were going out to perform in those days?
2: No. No, no, absolutely not, because the percentage of what we got from our music was very, very small. We were told that we were, this is by an attorney, we weren't really in a bargaining position, good bargaining position, and as a result, you know, we were salaried and our expenses were paid, but the percentage that we got from the music was small. But when they let us go and decided to form another group we didn't hear from them. It was only about, uh, I'm going to say, about 10, maybe 11 years ago that we finally started getting royalties. Because from of them. The, the organization Sound Exchange, they got in touch with Cheryl. And Cheryl, you can take up, uh, tell this part.
1: <laughs> well, I was still in SAG. At, I was in AFTER at the time. And um, they located me through AFTRA. And then I contacted Cassandra and I contacted Gwen and told them that we were being sought after to give them, give us royalties that were due us from sales of records and things from around the world. As far as can't stop productions, they were supposed to be giving us money and they never did until golly, was it about five or six, ten years ago they started giving us. Very, very, very small checks, um, because they claimed that we owed them money for all those beautiful trips we took in all those hotels we stayed in. And when we finished paying them back for that, then they would give us some money.
0: Hmm. Oh wow! So you're basically telling me that they were looking for you for the mechanical royalties, the mechanical side, because I, I'm that's the performance. I'm going to guess you guys, like you said, let me make sure this is clear. You didn't write anything, correct? No. Right. We didn't
2: write anything.
0: So you didn't have any in the publishing, but you were going to get it on the mechanical.
1: Correct. So- right. And we were supposed to get a certain percentage from the records that we recorded with them. But they were holding that. and And you would have to pay somebody to come and look at their books. And we didn't have the money to do
0: that. Um, so it just well, had to go and on. Because with them and like a lot of the labels back in the day, there's an A set of books, there's the B set of books, Before and then there's the that you're gonna see, which the is ones, gonna be yeah. a C set of books. You know, the Mafia books, the Jewish books, and then the C books. There's three different it, books. And I, didn't I didn't know that was That's the books that we would have gotten to see the C um, book. <laughs> We don't owe you a dime book. Here's the yeah. negative. <laughs> $1,650,000. you have only paid 60000 of it. We still got another million to go. You know, uh-huh. it's like,
1: yeah,
0: holy smoke, I can't believe this. I, I shouldn't say I can't believe it. I can believe this happens yeah. <laughs> Because this is the story well, you hear yeah. with all the groups. All the groups. Yes. Yeah.
2: And you know what else? After we found out, you know, that uh, there was money out there The statute of limitations had set in and as a result, no lawyer would go and try to go back because too much time had passed. And what we found out is that they only had to go back a certain amount of years. And we did talk to Henri. Henri gave us a a bump as far as a a greater percentage, which was much, you know, it was better, but it was still small. And you know, he went back, I think um, a few years, but during the time when we made the most money, he didn't go back that far.
0: Of course not.
2: We couldn't reap (laughs) the benefits from then. So, But, you know, thank God we still get royalties today, and we get royalties from our John Lennon um, music as well. So, I'm okay. You know, I'm not bitter. It happened the way that it did, but you move on, and I can't uh, let that be, you know, on my chest too heavy, because I still enjoy doing the music and when we do get paid, I feel like it's a blessing at this stage of the game to still be getting paid
0: to do what we love. No, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful attitude, Cassandra. And thank God, you know, as much as we all said disco died, it never died. It never yeah. died. Uh-huh. That's, that's that's a that's a cliche, that Chicago thing. That we was just something it, but
1: it was, did not die.
0: Never died. It just went it went a little bit, let's put it like this, on pause for a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, for people to reset. Because now well, says it says in one minute you're, you 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 got the biggest hit record and next minute you're part of that disco thing. Well, we don't want to know you. Mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, but they took the beats. Yes, they did. They <laughs> took the beats. Damn right. They you know <laughs> took right. the beats,
2: beats. It lived through that, those beats. It lived on and on and on. It still is. I think that the dance music that we're doing
1: now, um, is a version of a disco. Rappers kind of took on some of the things. I mean, there it was, beats. It, it influenced other genres of music.
0: No, you know what? I got to give it to that Philly son, Earl Young. That 4-4 four, four beat went all the way. Yeah, um, is. Is. Oh Lord help us, <laughs> Earl Young, wherever you are, if he's watching, you know, he checks in time time. That boy, the time, Mr. Time Machine, knocking it down for everybody. We played right on all those sessions, yeah. you know? Well, I wanted to ask about the... See, now, I had no idea about the John... I want to know about the John Lennon sessions. That's the next... We're going to get into the next question because I'm, like, sitting here going, you girls are on that, too? I want to know which songs you sang on. Because I saw the movie with Yoko Ono, the one on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I didn't remember seeing the background sessions. You did the New York sessions, right? Correct.
1: Started. We didn't want to be starstruck, so we didn't ask for autographs. We didn't take any pictures. We it, thought we would we, He was going oh. to take us with us on the road. So,
0: cassandra yes, said yes, she, yes, you did.
2: Where are they? We didn't take the pictures, but there were a gazillion pictures taken while we were in the studio. And I want to know where are they. But I guess all of the all the pictures that were taken we they took so many and there's somewhere I'm so talking about us personally We've personally did not, not take pictures but there were pictures of us taken in the studio and a number of them I remember it so clearly and over the years I've always wondered where are those
0: pictures now, Cassandra I saw the sessions that they have the movie of that album before he, he they it's on Netflix. They said part of the album was done in England in his house that they built a studio for, and the rest was done in in New York. New York. And how many songs did you guys sing on? Do you remember what what that was? We did woman
1: and oh shucks what's the other one that i love so much starting over and woman starting
0: over. starting over and woman you're on a
1: couple of songs for yoko but i don't think she used us when she did her <laughs> final oh
0: because christ oh my I mean, you would probably out sing her
2: <laughs> <laughs> after um she put her vocals down that we do background they you know they kind of giggle about it but they definitely wanted us on there and they put us on there but when the music was released, I guess she overrode whatever it was that they tried to do. Because they took our vocals off. But we were still on uh, Starting Over and Woman. And um, when it won for Album of the Year, it was like, wow. But yeah, that was a great experience. Because we were awestruck. We were so impressed. John was a really, really, really nice man. He knew how to treat
0: you ladies, right? He treated you right. All He treated you really.
2: Yes, yes. And he like us we'd be
1: available to go with him on the road. And we said, Absolutely. We were so excited we were going to go on the road with John living, And then
0: Sirhan Sirhan comes and <laughs> And we
1: um we were told that he had he told mm-hmm. us he was gonna autograph some CDs for us or albums for us. We never got them because once he was killed, people swooped in and took everything. So there might be album out there somewhere that says to Cheryl.
0: This is what I'm saying, girls. We never knew that that the Richie family <laughs> did, did. Did we have? I'm sitting here like gobsmacked. No, we love you. as the Richie family We're like yo? You work with John Lennon on the last album yes. as Casma Jack. Yes, as Casma Jack. Casma Jack. Who's Kazma now? Who's who's the production people behind Casma Jack? Was this songs released? Was there anything that? No, no how the only
1: we know. We were going to do background vocals. That's what we were getting ourselves ready to do. And then we got hired to do John Lennon's last album.
0: Who introduced you? Who got you into John Lennon's world? What was Uh, that? Who?
1: What happened, Cassandra? I can't remember.
0: Cassandra, come on, girl. Get that. Okay. Let's break it down.
2: One of our writers, Bill Hurt, he had a friend Uh, at Columbia uh, Records. Her name was Peggy Cherry. And she knew that John Lennon needed background vocalist. He recommended us and we were definitely interested. And we went to New York and we sang a little bit for him and we went in. It was me, Cheryl, and Michelle. And like, you know, a combination of our names is how we came up with Casma Jack. And um that's how we did it. He asked, he oh said, God. how do you want your name on the album? Is Casma Jack or your individual names? And I said both. So if you look on that record jacket, you will see Casma Jack and then you will see our individual names.
0: And, um, and let me tell you something. There's people yeah. checking discogs right now and they're giving it a big fat wow. Yep. I swear to God, yeah. man. We're right there going, my God. See, now here's, again, True House stories, unbelievable that we're hearing the John Lennon story do disco craziness i love that wow wow i want to hear about the greatest gigs who cares i want to hear about all the you know the nitty gritty because nobody reads yeah i never read any of this doesn't exist anywhere none of this exists cassandra i knew nothing of this and i've and i'm a pretty good avid reader too i love disco um history because I, I, I know the music, been out dancing, DJed many, many years. And I've never read this, nor heard anyone ever say anything about this. This is like first time I'm hearing this going, whoa, gobsmacked, man. Wow. You got the scoop. <laughs> Impressiveness. So was it? did you say Bill Hurt or Phil Hurt introduced you? Yeah. So, so Phil Hurt was on Fantasy Records, too. He had some big hit records, too, I remember.
2: He's he a wonderful
0: songwriter. He wrote a lot of hit records.
2: For the spinners, you know, what was it? I'll be around. He wrote a lot of. Uh, he wrote for the OJs. He wrote for us, Sledge.
0: He wrote for you. Yeah. Wrote for Sister Sledge.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think he did you know, uh, some people. Village People
1: stuff too, didn't he? Yeah. My,
0: My God. The one
1: totally that told us he
2: went into the studio yeah. and expected. Well, to see didn't us. he co-write some of the lyrics or things for um, Best Disco? I believe he did. Phil yeah, Hurt together, he up the range and put that together. He yeah, was to rehearse with, you know, on the piano to pull all the songs
0: together. So, so you walking in on a Phil Hurt session, you know, Phil's sitting behind a piano. Is he is he staffing out? What's what's he doing? Like when he's doing his thing, you ever w- witness any of that? Especially when he's I, writing for you girls. I don't know if Phil played on the sessions because
2: the musicians recorded separately from us but when we'd go into the studio to learn the music we sat down stood up around with phil that's how we learned the music you mm-hmm. know uh he and Jacques had worked some things out and i guess Jacques made him understand what it was he wanted and phil worked with us and we
0: you know we gave him what they wanted now let um, me let me ask you cassandra because now i'm really understanding this okay was jocks a hands-on guy or a guy with dreams and with money to say i want this guy who because i know he wrote this hit song and and put together a team was that what he, what he was doing or was yes. he really musically you know there
2: no he was the money guy and he was the idea guy but i would not ever underestimate his ideas because they worked they work, they work with village people, they worked with us, and in as much as we had some problems with Jacques, you know, his attitude, and his, uh,
0: uh,
2: just, you yeah. know, his, what do you call it, just being a little bit too hands-on as far as, um, uh, controlling us a little Well
0: bit that's deep. another part. We know that the controlling part. But I'm just talking about, you know, yeah. there's people, there's people that are phenomenal AR guys. Then there's guys like Clive Davis that are lawyers that have a good ear. They're not musical people. They just got a good ear. They know when they hear something they go, I'm gonna sign that. I'm gonna sign Santana. I'm gonna go and pick up this jazz group because he just had a good ear. You well know? that was pretty much he knew
2: what he wanted. He knew what sound he wanted, but he couldn't sing. He couldn't play an instrument, but he no. could tell you what he wanted. And when he heard it, and he could tell it. say, that's it. And he was able to direct his energy to get what he wanted. And all these years later, you know, even though we had some problems with Jacques, I can say that the music we did with him stood the test of time. Absolutely. And I can't add at that.
0: No matter how angry and stupid he could have been as a person and do the nonsense he did, but when you talk about the music, the music holds testament.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah.
0: Now I know he was flamboyant. Oh, the- yeah. Now we all know that Jocks was very because I knew on the other side the village people. The village people is 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 a, is more so called such as as when you put together a gay group, really not gay to the commercial side of it, but in the sense it was a sexual revolution time. It was a seventies. Things were, like we said, you said before, love, sex, music, everything. Lots of it. Lots of it. And a lot of, the, lot of those guys are not here today because of it. Died because of the AIDS. and like, And the that drugs. Happened. Yep. That happened to Jacques. He died of AIDS. Yes, I remember hearing that. And it was in the mid-80s, I think, if I remember, right?
2: By the time we heard about it, Jacques had been dead probably for about 15 years. We didn't know We didn't know, know about it. Much. When I found out I was shocked, you know, it was like, oh my God, I had no idea. But right. yeah, that
0: was what uh, we heard he died of. 15 years. Wow.
1: Yeah, you we really. Had, we did like Jacques. I mean, he was a likable person. But <laughs> he also was an
2: unlikable person at times. <laughs> you know, well, he- I think it's really hard when you don't have creative freedom. That is a challenge. If you're a creative and then you're an artist, and you're kind of you kind your hands are kind of tied behind you, and you're not able to give you give give out your own creative um, influence. That's 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 challenging. Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: Okay. So now paint us the picture of the best gig you ever had at that time. In the, in the time of the high of this whole thing, and your world changes.
1: My favorite, although I loved everything we did, um, was when we went to Poland and we did the show in Poland at the uh, in Warsaw at the uh, Sołtys festival. That's my favorite because it was long. We got to extend songs out. Um, the crowd was huge, and we were the first group, American group, to go into the Soviet bloc and perform on their Soviet bloc TV. So, I mean, I, that's one of my favorites. Okay. Although, like I said, I liked a lot of the other things we did, but that one
0: still so Let me ask the question, being that you were the first American women's group to cross into the Soviet bloc, what was it to get in there? Was it hard?
1: I don't remember it being
0: hard. Do you,
1: Cassandra? I think they had worked out all the details of us getting in and doing whatever we were going to do. I don't remember it being hard or difficult in any way.
2: Um, The people, I think they looked at us, you know, I don't think they saw a lot of black people. I remember this little old lady came up, you know, and she touched my face and she just patted it, you know, and she just looked at me. She was smiling real sweet. She had this real, real Uh, red lipstick i I always remember the little lady she's a cute little lady you know it's an older woman but she seemed fascinated because i don't think in her lifetime she'd seen a lot of black people and we were in warsaw at the time and you know she just patted my face and i was like oh my goodness so i felt like you know a little connection there
0: so that's crazy right because here you are (laughs) we live in america we have all melting pot around us. And these Russian people are coming up to you, touching you like you're not real. <laughs> making sure that, you know, is she really real? No, cannot be. <laughs> it's what, so, so, Mary- for, so that's, again, this is pre-everything. This is the 70s. Because, you know, rock and roll had its first initial big breakouts, late 60s. You guys are not far behind.
1: When you, see, when you see the film of the um, the Soap Festival, the other thing that's interesting to me is that everybody's in suits and they're dressed up and they're just sitting there watching us. Um, they're not jumping up and down like American groups do and the Italians would want to touch you and everything, be all up on the stage with you. Um, these people stayed in their seats and they watched us in their suits and, and dresses and hats and stuff almost sort of like they were going to church, but we were performing for them. And then at the end, they were and clap for us and everything. And then we'd do the next songs and
0: I loved it. Like a golf club, Cassandra, for you, what was the best one, huh? Best gig ever.
2: I, I cannot pick a particular one. You know, I think the Soap is definitely up there, but there were so many great discos all mm-hmm. over Europe. And every one that we played was fascinating. They were huge. The the dance floors were crowded. And they were really elaborate. So I would just say the dance clubs that we played um, was really impressive for me. And I think another one that stands out, we played uh, for the uh, king and queen over in uh, Manila in the Philippines. That was pretty special as well. like the
0: Philippines too. Mm -hmm. Cheryl? Just a question yep. to you: Ethnicity? Are you all? Are you all white? Are you mixed at all?
1: I'm not white at all. I have white folks in my family, um, but that was an issue when we were on the road. They would—I don't care what language they said it. They say two blacks and one white. I could always say, <laughs> "Excuse me," um, but and people in other countries don't understand light-skinned people being light-skinned people and there's lots of lights. I came from a long line of light-skinned people, and where I lived, there were lots of light-skinned people. When I moved to Philadelphia is where I had to look for them, because <laughs> they were hiding out somewhere. But um, I'm mixed race, but I can sit, I've can i been raised African-American as a child and all the way through. I, I, my church that I went to was the AME Church was the African American.
0: Epistic the Church. reason why I say that is because when you see the covers, you know, and the pictures, you see, you know, Cassandra, Gwendolyn, and yourself, and you and you say, okay. And my wife, who's another big fan of your group, okay, she says, well, they're all black. I says, yeah, but when you look at the picture, and you don't know, you think the two black singers and one white singer. You see, I don't think I look white, so i have a hard time with that <laughs> no i think it's fabulous I think it's a amazing no the whole thing is just look when people first met me and they heard me making these records in the beginning they, everybody thought i was black making black dance music they thought for sure it was black they says you're not black just like that and when i used to go like this people you know some people some people pass
2: that's what i hope the passing Comes from we have family members that do that, but I, my
1: my part of the family did not pass.
0: There you go. Well, you know what? You know, this is why I asked this True House Stories. It's not to insult anybody, but people think in these things, I have the album covers. I've seen the albums and I was always impressed by the beauty of the women. I was like, wow, look how nice everyone looks. Dressed to the hill. Love the Egyptian look. I love everything. Arabian nights. I love the whole thing. It was like, what a great concept.
1: Now, one of the songs in African Queen says three queens, three different shades of love. And that's us. We were three different shades. And even now with Renee, there's three different shades of us and
0: what we are. All right, now. All right. Since I we got the best gigs, tell us the dark side. One of the worst experiences that you can remember. Mm -hmm.
1: the (laughs) The worst. Uh, I think I almost got left one time. I was late getting to the plane. I think I was late getting to the plane because um, my ex-husband moved us to, back to Cleveland. Ugh, that's why I said Ugh, to Cleveland. Um, People <laughs> who watch from Cleveland, please share this. sorry Cleveland. <laughs> that experience is there. Flats. I always think of the. flats when you think of Cleveland. The it's Blats. still Ohio, so I still love you. <laughs> But um, I think I missed my plane that day because my ex-husband was real slow in getting me to the plane and they had closed the door and they refused to reopen it, open it up. And um, so I was late getting to the, was it a rehearsal? Were we rehearsing in New York, Sandra? I can't remember. I just remember I was late and I remember Jacques and Henri were very upset about the whole thing. Um, another time that was bad for me was I left some rings in the bathroom and somebody stole them but other than that
0: oh that happens that can happen anywhere you could be at the casino
1: i took them off to wash my hands because i'd eaten a burger and it got juice and everything and i laid them on the sink and heard that voice inside say you better put those rings back on i said oh i'll do it when i finish i went to the bathroom i heard somebody come in somebody left i came out forgot all about my rings because they weren't there Went to sit at the, at the gate and all of a sudden the weight on my hand didn't feel right. I said, my rings! I run back to the place. They held the plane for me that time. Ran back. Rings are gone. So that was the end of that story for those rings. But That
0: feeling of your heart going to your stomach. That horrible yeah. feeling. I know that feeling. <laughs> he feel it.
1: They were really nice rings. But anyway. <laughs> oh. I kept wishing bad things on the other person that took them. I thought they should grow green wart on the tip of their nose so everyone know they were a thief. But that didn't happen either. Yeah, but they didn't thief them. They probably waited for you to leave and they grabbed
0: them. No, probably. No, they probably
1: They took them while I was in the bathroom. I went to the
0: toilet part oh. and
1: left them on the You know what? I place. wanted to go
2: back up ways. I remember uh, Lenny asking something about the band. The band? Yes. Um, It was Gypsy Lane. Am I right, ladies? Correct. And did
0: they they travel with you guys? They did. Who was was in Gypsy Lane? Who? Who was in the band? Do you remember?
2: Nathaniel, uh um, Larry Davis, uh, Johnny O, Alfonso, Alfonso. Roger Lee, um, guys out of Philly, most of them are still around and uh, uh, was the guy. uh Russell Russell Dabney and Russell Dabney uh is actually playing with Victor Willis's village people he's gone on the road with them uh I guess because of COVID, you know nobody's really working like they were
0: oh, but yeah. he ended up with when Victor
2: reformed village people Russell ended up getting a gig and going back with him but the guys are still out there playing.
0: And she uh, landed down in Florida. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So now comes forward. Now, so the band goes on hiatus <laughs> for a while. You guys, and you come back together after 1980 with John Lennon. You did. What happens after John Lennon? Okay, so basically the helium is taken out of that success balloon again deflated yep. what happens now where do you girls go what, what goes from there
2: in school and just i would say uh just ordinary everyday existence doing what most people do you know nine to five raising a family uh going back to school and just you know enjoying life but you know i i looked at the career of an entertainer as something that i had done And would probably never, ever have an opportunity to do it again. And it was okay. You know, in my heart, I would have loved to. But I felt like that was too big of a dream to even dare to think about.
1: And I continue to sing, but with choirs in in church and do things like that. Um, Fayette Pinkney was, um, from the Three Degrees, was in the same church I was in. And we were in the same choir together after she came off the road. Um... I got a couple more degrees and started working for the school district of Philadelphia as a teacher at one point because they had laid me off from my administrative job. And then um, well, and then Cassandra decided she wanted to sing again. Finally, she, <laughs> she, she said to me one day, she called me on the phone. She said, I am so sick of looking and seeing other people moving their lips and our voices are coming out. And I said, "Uh huh, okay." She said, "We're going to do this again. We're going to do this." I said, "Okay."
0: <laughs> so then um, it was just like that pregnant pause. Okay, like okay,
1: yeah, it's like uh, okay. So then um, we started. We the two of us started looking for someone else to perform with us because Gwen was out of the question. She not only decided not to sing that music, but she also had moved out of town to, to South Carolina. So we auditioned a few people and tried them out. None of them worked out too well. That's when we found Michelle that ended up being with us in Chasma Jack. And then um, we stopped for a while and then we decided to start again. And my friend, one of my friends, who's a mutual friend of all of us, said, oh, I know a woman that could sing. Her name is Renee. I can't think of her last name, but it starts with a W. I said, Oh, okay. So she says, she's on Facebook. I said, All right. So I go on Facebook and I look for a Renee with a W for her last name. And I found one and I start con- contacting her and I'm talking to her and in, in, um, you know, back and forth and messenger. And then I said, Yeah, Vicki uh, suggested that I um, talk to you about her. She said, Who's Vicky?" I said, Huh. So that's when I realized I had the wrong Renee. And so she, I went back to Vicki and I said, uh, this person I'm talking to in New York. She, oh, no, she lives in Philly. Um, and she works for the school district of Philadelphia, too. So she gave me her real last name by then. And that's when we contacted Renee and got Renee to come and start singing with us. Um, so I had another Renee in mind for a minute. And she could sing. And we even went to see her perform in a, a, a program that came here from New York. But um, she wasn't the right Renee, and the Renee we got is the right Renee for us. There you
0: go, Cassandra just documented. She said for sure. So now Renee, the phone call comes to you, girl. And what? Hey, else? come on now, step up. Two thousand eleven. Um That
2: yes. the, the lady, the young lady who I knew. Um, I knew in the school district of Philadelphia, she let me know. She said, "Renee, somebody's going to be contacting you um, to ask, you know, if you if you wanted to to sing in in a group." And I was like, "Okay, no problem." Um, and I went to meet the ladies. Now, let me just admit right now, right here and now, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> I, I had no to, idea that the group was as big as they were. I thought this was a local singing group that we would just be having some fun. And when I looked and, and researched, I said, Oh my God, I was totally blown away by, you know, their, their history and, and their contribution to the industry. And I was just overwhelmed and very happy and proud to be chosen. And, um, We've, uh, we've been moving along and, you know, um, doing things here and there every year. And things just started getting, you know, more and more interesting. Um, I can tell you this. When we talked about the royalties and the things of people um, getting ripped off over the years, that's, I think, a lot of the reason why a lot of people choose not to get managers and choose not to... Um, to, to promote themselves, so to speak, because you, you tend to get, and I love, I've learned this over the past few years. You tend to be very um, um, suspect when people come and approach you, have because you're not sure if they're coming genuinely because they want to help and be a part of your, you know, your music and what you do, or they're trying to get something from you. Mm-hmm. And we've, as Three women. We've had to really learn the business, and and, and again, I think uh, the ladies will agree with me that it was a different animal back in the seventies. So here we are in two thousand eleven, trying to revamp a career in a whole and totally changing industry. And I have to tell you, we're still here, and we're still fighting. And I'm I'm trying to help as much as I can to. To, you know, help with you know with our little steps that we do, and you know I'm she's very proud of. Her.
1: She's being yes. she's being polite. She she is a choreographer and she is a songwriter. She does a lot of stuff and she can sing.
0: All right. Thank so you, this, so now so now what's this r- rival group of of Richie family you said? Oh, the other group, and I heard it with like a little little bit of this Is there another group running around besides? There used to be. What happened? Cassandra. (laughs) Back to Cassandra. Here we go.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, the reason that we got back together and the reason I wanted to sing again is because there was a second lineup of the Richie family, and I was aware of that when they first came after us, after we first uh, had our uh, departure from Jacques and Henri. However, I didn't realize that they were still working. I thought they weren't working. We weren't working. As time went on, I thought the whole Richie family thing had gone uh, bye-bye. But because of social media and because of a resurgence of interest in disco, when there was a call for the Richie family, the second lineup were the ones that most people were aware of and knew how to contact. And they started doing gigs from time to time. The thing is, I didn't really realize they were working until I got on Facebook and saw what they were performing over in Holland. Uh, they had a 35-year um, a anniversary of Studio 54 or something. And the special guest was the Richie family. And when we, when I saw that, they say, oh, no, excuse my expression, oh, hell no. These ladies are out there. I don't mind it that they sing our song, but they can't be called the Ritchie family. Sing our music, Everybody That thinks that they're the ones that performed the music first place, because my son was born after the Ritchie family, and I said from now on, and over of his uh, age range would all be originals. He would never have the uh, the opportunity to see his mom in the the light of our contribution and who we were as the original so anyway that was a long way of saying that that was the thing that sparked me to want to get back into it and uh that's when you know I had contacted Cheryl and said oh yeah we gotta do this again at either rate once we decided to do it again we knew there could not be two Richie families running around. And the reason being is because it's confusing. And it probably still is to a degree confusing. And people wouldn't know who they're coming to see. When they see the Ritchie family on a marquee, well, who would they see? Are they seeing the originals or are they seeing the second lineup? So because people wanted to hear Brazil, they wanted to hear Best Disco, they wanted to hear Life is Music. That's who they decided they really wanted to hire and
0: and, at a point
2: we went we lost lost her but
1: i'll finish the story for now i went to a lawyer and we were going to sing but we did we had to have a name and we weren't going to be casma jack so we said we were going to um try to pick her back up Okay, so we went to the lawyer, and we said, well, how about if we call ourselves the original Richie family? He said, no, you can't call yourself that. That's like saying you're the original Campbell Soup. So he said, but I noticed that nobody's owned this name for 10 years. And we said, oh, well, somebody does now. So we trademarked the name. Good for you. Yes, yeah, so we are now the Ritchie family for real, and we sent um, letters to the other young ladies telling them that they could no longer perform under that name. Um, so we are the Ritchie family.
0: So the cease and desist went out from you to say to them, our well, lawyer. Yeah, our lawyer sent a letter, and they sent
1: us one and said, "No, you cease and desist." And we said, nah, 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 nah. Uh-uh. "We own the name, and we're never going to let it go." Whenever it comes up for renewal, we pay our money to keep it renewed. Uh, to do what we have to do to perform as the Ritchie family because we are the Ritchie family. Um, Cassandra forgot to mention that um, when, when she went on Facebook, I wasn't doing all that social media stuff then. She got, a, she got in contact or was contacted by um, a gentleman from Amsterdam, from the Netherlands. Hans, I always mess up Hans' last name. Can you fix it for me, uh, Renee? Dupree? Dupree. 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 I know <laughs> he's listening. He's going to tell us. <laughs> uh, Hans was the one that told Cassandra that people still cared about whether or not we performed or not, because right. we didn't even know. We didn't know anybody cared about what happened to us or anything. What are you you know, about, girl? We all um, cared we didn't know we didn't know how could we know we had there was no social media then there was nothing to tell us what was going on if it hadn't been for hans telling cassandra and then she finally started looking some of the stuff up that's how she saw the program in amsterdam and got upset um so anyway things had a way of working out and it, it, it helped us that that he started a tribute page he has a tribute page for us and for the other um the second lineup as well.
0: That's, well, you know what? At least you got to live out the dream in the end. You know, in the end, later on, and I could say in the end, but you didn't have Richie, you didn't have, I was going to say Richie, you didn't have Jocks Morale putting his fist up saying, stop. You yeah, know? No, you don't. And
2: we, so, can matter sort of fact, of- you know, um, one of the things, what, what, what really was one of the highlights of my being um, in the group. Um, is when we um, we were actually approached by James Washington out of Las Vegas who um, had us do a project in New York with um, under Purple Rose Records, which is Martha Wash's uh, record label. And um, the songwriter um, Zach. Zach Adam, who from wrote New this York mm-hmm. from New York up in that to long island I, ice ice is the song that we came out with in 2016 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It, this is Martha
0: wash martha wash's label yes, yes, yes martha wash lives right in my area she's north baldwin right over here long, long, island, she's in long
2: island right it's right near me yes oh, so, uh yes so they um and they brought us to new york and we um we recorded it and um all, and, and I'm very honored that 40 years after the recording of the best disco in town ice hit the charts for the, um, top, 40. It, the top 40 in dance and dance club dance music yes we mm-hmm. hit number 40 top 40 uh, in 2016 um also the recipient of a couple of awards uh the rhythm and blues, National Rhythm and Blues awarded us um, Unsung Award. I think that was 2019, right? That was just last year. Yes. Um, Along with the Legends of Vinyl Award, also in 2019. And going back to 2018, we actually went to Gabichi Mare. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it
0: right. There we go. She's back. Here comes our girl. She'll correct it for us. We got you back. Okay. All right. No, because all of a sudden we lost you. We're up to, I don't know, where are we up to now? Italy. Italy now. She's talking about exactly. guys came in 2016 to record with Monster Wash's label, Ice. Okay. Okay. And Legends of Vinyl gave you guys an award. I know that. I remember hearing about that. Congratulations.
2: Dancing rhythm and blues. Vanessa Jordan uh, is the president CEO of and, uh, and we got the unsung. As a matter of fact, Phil Hurt presented.
0: Yes, oh, Senator Phil, oh, yeah, Phil Hurt presented. It.
2: As we and when he got honored, we presented him with his award. Yeah. I think a year before or so wasn't. Yeah, it, it was a year Something before like that. Um, but anyway, way we got we went to Italy in two thousand eighteen. Wow, that was such a wonderful experience. And oh. and what we found what I found that, that was amazing is that everybody loved disco. I mean, it wasn't just one per, one group of people. The children were there, families. I mean, it was just all all people were there and um, embracing us as well as the music.
0: And you gotta realize something yeah. Europe never stopped loving dance music. It was in yeah. America like that went crazy. To the right. America went crazy because by the time they said that cyanide fever happened, this was the thing that was going on in the music industry. They said mm-hmm. disco was dead already. But crazy at 75, 76, they were saying this already. Didn't they have a so
1: special burn the albums or something?
0: Yeah, that was Kaminsky Park in mm-hmm. 1979. But but pre-Cyanide to Fever... The, you know, it's was already kind of like declining somewhat. But in Europe, dance music has always been embraced as fun-loving music that people yeah. want to hear, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. And yeah. It's not just them, not the people of our generation, but their children and their children's children. That's what's different from the way it is here. Um, their children know our songs just as well and could sing along with them when we were in
2: Italy as their parents, which was surprising. That was a pretty. That was a pretty wonderful experience. Exactly. And then you know the other thing I think was has been interesting. And I speak, uh, you know, I have to talk from my perspective because I came so late into, into the group. But um, you know, when you asked about the other the other ladies and all, I mean, they do have their music. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, from what I've experienced, they did the original lineups music, but. Um they also had their own that they obviously were recorded through the what the early 80s ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So when we came back together when they when the group formed, we learned that their music as well as our own. Cuz so we could our, shows, our music. <laughs> so our shows in, because the, the 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 our fans know the body of work. They know the music. And yeah. as Cassandra was saying earlier, and
0: some people are probably are still confused as to who did what. Well, because let me clarify something—something something that people don't even realize—and it's so obvious. I'm going to go for, to a male group named Harold Melvin and His Blue Notes mm-hmm. without Teddy Pendergrass singing. There is no Harold Melvin and His Blue Notes because, yeah. thank you. It's like okay. it doesn't sound like. No matter who they put in that position, they do some great shows. I've seen the shows they do. It's not Teddy Pendergrass, right? Right. So, as but as, but as the well, I'm sorry. We've- then as now we go forward. If I understand Jock's morale he used the, probably the same studio musicians he always used on everything. Mm-hmm. It means if you sounded like them on the first album, that means everything sounds uniform. Even the ones you did, of course that you of your own sound, and then the ones that came after are not those girls singing then.
2: Well, they had different different girls in the lineup. It wasn't yeah. just three. It started off with three, somebody left. I think all together going in and out, it might have been five, four or five different girls that was in that lineup. So I like the fact that Cheryl and I are originals and that never wavered, never changed. And the only
0: uh, Person that we added to our lineup was Renee, right? And if and I'm, I'm assuming if Gwendolyn would have said yes, you would have you would you would have had up. before Renee saying, of course, before you met Renee, you she would have been right here now. Yes, but,
2: absolutely. And so, um, given that we we learned the songs that we saw were hits, even uh, even by. The um other ladies, uh, I'll do my best. I know it's a very, 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 very well known. 1882, right? Exactly, and um, have this way England. after you girls, like way after, after, after. But we do that song. Do you? An American oh. generation. We do we that song it. because it's the body of work that the people. When we, love. Do, when we do a show, what Renee is saying is true.
1: When we do a show, we choose the songs. But we know people want to hear. And the body of work is what we choose our songs from. And we do some covers from other artists as well. Yes.
2: Right. And we don't always use the uh, second line of songs. But I'll do yeah. this and kind of a mainstay. Mostly we're doing like three, maybe four songs on the show. You know, so we kind of stick to the ones that um, we know are the most popular and the ones that people want to hear. And and that's what it's all about because we're not out there just for ourselves. We're out there to give the people what they want and to give them a full show with music that sounds familiar that they can clap their hands to, dance to, and just get their groove on. Cassandra, while
1: you were gone, I tried to say Hans's last name. Are you able to say it, Hans? de Free?
2: Free? Debris. 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 Vries. Ars De Vries. Who uh, who we want to make sure that we add met us in Italy. We had never seen him. Yes, he did. We had never seen him. We just talked to her.
0: It's funny about the Holland connection because I'll tell you another thing that I remember because Earl Young spoke about when the uh, Burn Baby Burn uh, Disconferno thing exploded. Okay. Half the group wanted to go to Holland because it was a slew of gigs at that time. Mm -hmm. And he was home, and he just got married to Sylvia. Okay? And he had a baby coming. And his story is like this. You got a number one record that's in a movie, Saturday Night Fever, going crazy. Record's a massive hit. And he takes a doorman's job. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. Yeah, he took a doorman's job. To 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 support his family at the time, while um, lead singer in the group got this contract deal and they wanted to go to Holland, he's like, "I ain't going to Holland. I ain't going to Holland." You said it just like that, and they and the and the band split up, and that's how things happen, because money has a funny way of making things go around. You know, you just it just makes all kinds of crazy. When I heard that, I was like, "What do you mean you went to go work at a as a doorman? I think it was Priorities. His family came first. Yeah, and I understand that. Here's a guy that's played on 6,000 records from, from uh, you know, uh, OJs to every major group that came out of Philly. He played pretty much on everybody's records. He probably even played on your record, too. He did? Yeah. He did. Where is it, oh, Young? Bring him up here. <laughs> he probably played on your records. That sounds like his beat when you hear the drum beat.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: All right. And you go from you're the hottest thing out with the hottest group to the group says Cyanara, and this is you hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. And I asked him that question. He said, The tramps was my design. I outfitted the group. We all wanted to look like one. And that was where the mistake happened. Instead of having it where they were the lead people out, people didn't realize. And to this day, there's five Tramp groups going around. Sad. You got the real one Tramps. Of them, one of them was in Italy with us. Yeah. I don't think it was Earl Young's Tramps. It was probably oh, no. no. It was the other Tramp band. Um, yeah. Uh, White Law. His he's one of the singers from the original group. Um, I can't remember his name now. But I know I saw him at the Cyanide Fever reunion that they did in Brooklyn in 2017, and it wasn't. I was sitting there going, "This is not Earl's band." I know Earl's, I know Earl Young, I know his, this, even though his singers are not the original, at least Earl, you know, is. So I can understand with you ladies feeling, hey, this is my stuff. What are you doing? That's our voices. And it's a little bit of a gray area because Brazil comes pre, then you girls blow up, you then take Brazil with you and create a whole nother part of the story. And then someone cuts the umbilical cord. Yeah, That's you know rough. what we
2: found out though, uh, Lenny, and this was the best thing in the world. You know, when you go back out there, and you know that somebody else has been doing what you do under the same name, you don't know how you're going to be received. And wherever we have gone, people have told us that we always knew that it, the second lineup was not you girls. We always wondered what happened and where you were, and we're so glad that you're back and
0: that happened over and over again and it's like wow that just blew blessing. me there. bless girls you made it you know you made it full as they say a 180 i don't want to say 360 you came in and came back flip yeah. turned back and turned back around you came right back to it like a u turn During you know, a time when 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 when
2: heritage artists which we call ourselves of course oh yes of the disco era we are um moving along and coming out like it's like a, an explosion
0: almost especially after James Arena book his book um First the, Ladies Re- of the reason, First reason why Hitler. i know your story is very exact to what victor willis's story of the of the of the uh, village, People. village people's fame him too gone and jimmy Asher, uh, jimmy simpson becomes a singer And he wrote those songs. He fought with them for years over those records to get his royalties. Years on that for that. So I'm not surprised to hear the the brother group and the sister group getting treated both like stepchildren from both groups. You guys got stepchild like both of you, even him, too. He's another talented guy. And everybody said he's dead. He had cancer. He was a drug addict. This guy's out performing with no problem. He never had a problem. But they had to do that to
1: hide him. Yeah, they told stories about us, too. You know, they had to make an excuse for why you weren't there anymore. I mean, we'd hear from the other girls when they were on Soul Train, I think it was. They said, we all wanted to go take care of our children. So we quit. We didn't want
2: to sing anymore. And it was like,
1: huh? anymore. where did they get that from? Is that what yeah. they said? Yeah, we know it, they got the story from Jock. That was his his version of why we left.
0: So the Jock story was because you wanted to be mothers, we yes, to yeah. and be and be homemakers. Basically, be homemakers.
2: Pretty much, yeah. We, yeah it was like really yeah. <laughs> no, that was not the truth.
0: <clears throat> no, and that's far from the truth. The truth is. You wanted more and he didn't want to give it up.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, until the the was the point where he he you had, at the point where he would have had to give something more up,
0: is when they dismissed us. So, but when you signed your production contract deal, was it just a performance deal? Or was it that you guys were tied to the names of your name, your original names, to the Richie family? How did that work?
2: We were salaried.
0: They owned oh, the name. Gotcha.
2: They owned the name. And pretty much when they wanted to swap out uh, the performers, they had the opportunity and they decided that's what they wanted to do. Like I said, the relationship had gotten contentious. And, uh, you know, I think Jacques' attitude was, "Uh uh-huh, I'll show you. And in his own way, he did, you know. And we didn't think at the time that we really had other opportunities that were available to us. And we kind of like shrunk back and laid back. And like I said, I psychologically uh, got myself into the frame of mind of, well, since we can't do it, I don't care. I don't want to do it. But I was just suppressing the feeling and I never talked about it. And many years later, when we started singing again, there's so many people said I had no idea that you ever sang. Wow, really? You know, it's like, yeah, you never sang, you
0: you never sang.
2: Exactly.
1: We never
0: told people. We just oh, in other words, outside of this whole in the regular yeah, world, dead nine and five. Got right. it. Sometimes they didn't know because we
2: didn't tell
1: them.
0: Right. Oh, and I
2: have to tell you. You know, we are um, some hard, hard, working ladies. We rehearse all the time. Um, we, you know, we. Uh, you
0: have are, to. You
2: need to be really good. You have to do this. Absolutely, Absolutely. Um, And I'm just really proud of how hard we've worked, you know, to get where we are now. I mean, it's it's amazing and, and, and it's humbling at the same time. Um, but the Ritchie family, you know, is what, you, what we call we, we're survivors. It's just, you know, we're survivors. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something to be very proud of. Especially in an era where the competition is so fierce and young and, you know, and meet and meet all the, uh, what do you call it? The stereotypical criteria that comes with the industry, you know? Um, so, but the one thing we do know is that the music is not like it used to be. So, in, in a lot of ways, we're, we're obligated. I feel
0: that way anyway. You oh, know, you're holding awesome. a torch. You really are holding a torch that unless you lift it, nobody will understand it. I tell this to everyone. Unless you on the on your lapel, I was there. Nobody knows the story. Nobody yeah. knows the story. The only you know is the glitz and glamour, your champagne, All oh, they're on the plane. They don't know all this behind the scenes. They have no idea. So Absolutely. you're
2: doing a real service, uh, Lenny? I had an artist come on and tell their story and share it with such a wide audience. And for us it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to kind of set the record straight because there's some misconceptions out there and just bits and pieces of information that's not quite accurate. And um, you know, for a long time with Andre and Jacques when the sweethearts of Sigma had done Brazil, when we first came, with Best Disco, they wanted to say that we were the ones that were on Brazil because it wasn't really a group, it was just background singers. But that wasn't accurate, you know, and I don't mind telling it like it is.
0: So do I have it correct when I said about the Richie Rome's that Richie Rome story about Richie's the Richie girls? Well, that
2: is slightly wrong because that's why I need you
0: correct it. Please correct it.
2: Yeah, and that's that's okay. Because what happened, he had girls that were able to come in and do the studio work, but then, you know, he heard us, and of course we became the, the group. We became the Richie family. There was nobody signed to a contract as the Richie family until Cheryl Gwendolyn and myself became the Richie family, and because he was a producer... On that second, uh, first and second album, they got permission from him, and I believe they actually paid him to use his name for the group because there was no name for the group on Brazil except like they had to be named something. So that's how they got the name the Richie family. So we didn't get a chance to choose our name. You know, the name was there, and we filled the bill. And
1: everybody thought we were supposed to be family members (laughs) because (laughs) they still do. And they was are they your sisters? Uh no, not really, but they are my sisters. But um, I think they added a T, didn't they, Cassandra to Richie? To make it uh, make it the Richie family because it, Richie Rome doesn't spell his name with a T in it. Um,
2: he was a great
1: guy, still is. Yeah, he still is. He's a nice
2: guy.
0: You still t- um, you still keep in touch with Richie Rome? His daughter
2: got married last year. I think he was um, ill we sent him a birthday greeting and she said he was very appreciative and there were tears in his eyes. And she sent us back a note saying that, and I, and that touched our hearts. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen him, but the communication came through from his daughter.
1: Oh, That's awesome. He's a, he, he's a lovely man. Um, with the, um, our group, we not only sing, but we also dance while we're singing, which is strenuous. Um, that was another part of our group that made our group kind of stand out from other groups at the time, I think. And Richie, um, we had Richard Moten as our choreographer who would choreograph, uh, choreograph all the songs for us in New York. And we practiced endless hours in New York to get ready for shows. Um, some of his choreography is still in our um, program, but Renee, has also added to it with her skills as a choreographer and to new songs, she's added uh, other choreography. So we still do choreography, but not as strenuously as we did when we were younger women. Oh, but we
0: move. We move. Oh, yeah, we move. And we move. Girl, you cut a rug? You cut that rug? Yes. Oh, we
2: cut the rug. (laughs) We know what to do. Choreographer. Choreographer. Richard did choreography for the Village People, and you know how they do that sign. It's fun to stay at the YMCA and the hand thing that they do to to spell it out. Yes, Richard created that. So I just want everybody to know Richard that's. What doing,
0: let's let's get the, let's get that clear. Richard Moton created the YMCA dance that the Village People. Have been doing since 1978. Yes, Yes. he's still around. He's still going strong. He's still going. Another thing that another breakthrough tonight. Richard Moton. Where is this man? YMCA. In fact, it was was horrible watching Trump do it. I was sick over it. I was like, oh Jesus Christ! Take him off, Freddie. Yeah, do something else, <laughs> Richard Moten. The YMCA. Yes, please. They say the same thing. Because them them Do something else. Correct. Oh, so we, last, most likely, because did we? I think we covered a hell of a lot. But here's the most important. I know you guys were gigging, and now gigging is stopped with COVID. What's the plan? What are we doing till so, you know we can all get back? What's What's the dream?
2: what
1: new music Cassandra you we're about
2: to say something Angela okay yeah we were presented with some new music uh house music and we were like a little bit uh thrown off cuz it was like house music what are we going to do with house music but after listening very carefully over and over to the track Uh, Renee and myself came up with some lyrics that fit a track, and we have laid down something that we like, that we're proud of, and we're looking to go before the year is out, which will be in a month and a half or so. We're looking forward to getting into a studio and uh, completing the track and putting it out
0: there. Who's who's the producer?
2: Um, Actually, it could be. And when I
0: say could be, uh, his name is uh, Rocky Jones. Oh, DJ, from Ch- DJ Chicago. DJ to that. I know Rocky. I am very he's well.
2: The one, he's the one that sent us the music. I wonder
0: Rocky's yeah. watching this right now. I bet she's right. But Rocky's scream out from Chicago, man. <laughs> <Hey>.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, well, let me tell you something. Let me school you girls in something. Mm-hmm. The last couple of years, a lot of us have been doing that were house producers have been doing disco records Mm. because there's been this thing in England that happened called glitter box and a whole lot of nights that jumped off this thing called glitter box. And it started to play music from the seventies and they were bringing the original DJs and some of the Europeans and English and, and some of the house guys who play, you know, hybrid blah, 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 make a long story short, a whole revolution of, this 18 to 25 year old kids was singing chic and all the big hit records and it was just a no-brainer to start producing disco again yeah. so even myself i had a record with shirley lights fire and i've been doing other records like that too so i'm not surprised to hear you ladies touching because the thing about disco is you got to really know how to sing you know, that's the trick with this. You can't be one of these little like you gotta be like you gotta be full voice and you gotta be able to drop that jaw. And that's part of that's part of <laughs> we always joke about it. a little grease on the side, drop your jaw and like really sing from you know, the girth, you know, like a power, like like Lolita Holloway was saying, or well, like how you ladies sing, with you know, the real gust in the voice. So I'm not surprised if you're asked to do disco believe me because i've been doing it and i've been working with different people on it it's it's just a different way of producing because you're doing more orchestration but it's it's nothing wrong with it but i'm glad to hear you recording and when you do record and dj rocky jones all right that's that's really that's a name that's synonymous with one of the first house record labels believe it or not He's one of the first and the innovators of it. So I know him really long time, but I got to give you a lot of credit. And you know what? All of you have wore the test of time. And you got more mileage ahead of you that you need to get through. One would hope.
1: We can and still what, sing. That's the good part about it. We all can sing.
0: Is the body holding up? That's all that matters. You got to keep the body. Oh, yeah, that We're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the most important part. Is is you got the body, the spirit, and the mind. You can do this, and you'll yeah. do it till the end, till you can't do it no more.
2: That's exactly.
0: Right. Props to all of you, ladies. And a lot of the fans came on today, and they're like ossified. I think the biggest part to me being on the biggest biggest part was, of course, the story behind the scenes. But the John Lennon thing broke us. Like, wow. <laughs> That's you need. Did you see that movie of, them, of him with that album, of him making the album? You may Not be in there. You need to see this. They got video from the recording sessions. I, I might.
2: might be. I'd love to see it.
0: It's on Netflix. John Lennon the Yoko John story. Okay. It's the whole white album. The whole that last album. Hmm. It's there. Check it out. so anyone else I don't think we have any more questions I think we just need to stay safe we got a new president coming through and lord help us oh will you take the vaccinations I've been asked
2: oh I will peanut
0: gallery I hear the peanut gallery from the first album peanut (laughs) 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 they're like I don't
1: know I don't take the flu vaccine because I took it once and got the flu. So I, I, I'm not really into taking vaccines. Okay. I uh,
2: if i made to, I don't know. The jury is still out. Um, I'm going to say, uh, you know how
0: they say, Mikey Mikey, Mikey will try. Mikey tries anything. Let me clarify. Let me ask the question again. All right. Now. And because this has been asked about me, too, because I got a DJ around the world as well. Right. So to get on a flight, it's going to get to a point where you got to go like this and show this immunity. Hi, I got my, my shot. Meaning you have to go get it to get it to go fly. Now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, ladies? Come on now. I already gave my answer. You, I know your answer. I'm talking about the other two. You're in, you're in it to win it. I hear you. If If, if that be the case, I would do it.
1: I would consider it the same thing as if I had to take the malaria. Okay.
0: On that note, thank you, ladies. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I don't know if it's going to be that happy because we're under a very strict family rule this year. Ten and under. It's sad yeah. <laughs> and, and get better. Christmas get better. and Kwanzaa and all whatever Passover, whatever everybody celebrates. That's going to be another thing. You can't have anything either. And it's going to be a dark winter, but we shall overcome.
2: Hello, We shall, we shall overcome. And um, the one thing I wanted to tell you is that the other, the other than just um, uh, looking at new music, you know, we uh, have a song called quiet village. And that when it was recorded, did it it didn't it had it didn't have verses um we're hoping in the future to go back in to put the verses in that we've ri- we've written that uh, Rene wrote yeah Rene okay. wrote that. the Rene they
0: wrote right well but it's well, going have work, to- excuse me we work in French we oui. O-U-I, <laughs> oh, you are we? Wrote, no, Renee wrote those. Lyrics. No, I know, I know. Renee wrote the lyric. Okay, so she. Well, wanted to what
2: it was? It was you know during that time you know the music like you said it was dance music so there was a lot of music, and at, now as as um, heritage artists we can't move the whole entire time that the music you know is going so you know some lyrics came to me I don't know
0: somehow they came and I. What, now, my, see, now, I would love to touch that record. See, that was something I would touch. I would do Quiet Village and make now, it sound like the original record from seventy seven. I would make right. it sound exactly but just beefed up for now, but have that orchestration. Because that yeah, was it, two it, parts. Two it, parts was, um, the, the original had some
1: lyrics in it, but they were mostly like um a chorus kind of a thing. Right. Where they right. wrote actual actual verses, verses for the song that um, Italy, other
2: narrative. I don't know of anything. It might the Italy footage, which is not the best footage, but it it does. I think Quiet Village might be on there where the, where the the lyrics are being sung. You could see it there, but um, that would be something that I think we might try and and do. Okay, because it's, it's like you said,
0: it's a really nice song. I That's love it. A beautiful song. I love that. Very salsa. You know what about that song is? It's got that salsa orchestra type. He was yeah. going at that salsa as that thing was blowing up. I knew you could tell what they were looking at. They knew yeah. salsa orchestra was blowing up. They were trying to grab that Philly sound. Right. And implement so, it to you ladies. You could tell. So the music, when it goes there, na, na,
2: na, 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 na. there are lyrics there now.
0: Right. Cause you would think that's like, that would be something you hear Vince Montana would have done exactly right am i wrong is that something like vince would have done right uh, very much has that flavor of vince
2: montana and you know before we go i just want to give a shout out to troy daniel and wardell piper
0: troy daniels Wardell piper yes to
2: uh set this up for
0: us well funny enough wardell and troy came to me to remix wardell's single before covid that's been put on pause and then we got into the conversation i was starting true house stories then the thing was, he's I said, who else you look after in Philly? And he says, Oh, I look after um the the, the ladies. I'm like, which ladies? I'm thinking, I'm thinking sweethearts of of uh of Sigma. He says, no, the Richie family. I went, what? I, and I said, they're around? And just like that. He says, yeah. I I went, are they around? I, meaning, are they around? Can I get, can we get? He said, let me call them. Just like that. Let me call them. And he called me 10 minutes later. He said, the ladies would love to do it. And I'm like, no, so I must have to thank Troy, because he's the one that bridged me to you. Yes. Good on him. And thank this is right. And you know what else ladies we, we did? We didn't
2: we didn't mention the um the show we did, the last performance, our very yeah. last oh. performance was and was with Michael. Entertainment, uh, you know, Michael, Mr. Excitement. What's his last name?
1: Michael Jacobs, Mr. Excitement.
2: Michael Jacobs, There yeah. we go. <laughs> Michael Jacobs. He did a show. Had a show in the. Was it in the Bronx? What was it? It was it Bronx? Uh-huh. And um, we, oh my God, it was a lot of people on that show. We had a uh, help me out, ladies. Who was on there. DC Tennyson, Tavares.
0: Um, was D Train on that show?
2: No, D Train wasn't. Okay,
0: one Sharon Brown. Sharon Brown specialized in love. He's another great yeah. singer. Uh oh, man, it was a bunch of um, a lot
2: of people. It was a lot of people. A lot. And, of were, and very importantly, you ladies. Yeah, we were okay. there, and it was a really, really good show. And Michael really was a wonderful guy. Took good care of us. Um, and that is, if we were to have a lasting
0: memory. That's a wonderful lasting memory to have, because that was a heck of a Last show. Now, can I can I say this to you ladies? I can see myself holding that 20th Century Fox, you know, um, Brazil 45. Uh-huh. And if somebody would have told me, and this is 1975, 76, whatever that was, around 75, if somebody would have said to me I'd be sitting with you ladies now, I would never have believed it. I swear <laughs> to God. In a good way. Like, you know, and I and I always say this. You you never know what you're going to do in your life. You never know a dream is going to come true. And it's unbelievable. Believe me, a lot of my friends right now are sitting going, holy smoke, he's got them. they're here. They're for real. These are the real girls, not the imposter group. This is the real group. All right. Let's get it right. She, they mentioned who the original people were and they said, no, we took it from this point and we made the legacy. Moment of, moment of truth. That's it. Moment of truth. I'm sorry. I, that That's was the other... of yeah. 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 Help helplessly. I want to do... Jimmy Bohorn. Jimmy...
2: Jimmy Frank. Frank. Was <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was
0: a really great lineup. Jimmy Bohorn. Yep, yeah, Jimmy Bohun. That's another record. Let me tell you that you play and the uh, crowd goes crazy when they hear Spank. Yep. Yeah, wait, Fonda, Fonda Ray. Over like a fat rat. Fonda, Fonda Ray. Fonda rat. Yes. Find Franz Jolie. There
1: we go. Franz Jolie. Franz Jolie was on there. Heart uh, to uh, your heart.
0: Yeah. There we go. Uh-huh. They're all writing hearts to you. Yes, hearts to bring Canadian artist. Yes, very good. Michael's on here. Michael, I just saw Michael. Hey, Michael! There you go. Excitement, Michael? Yes, he's on. Hey! But just so you know, this is documented. This will be on YouTube. This will be podcasted, and this video will be up. You could show people this for years to come, and make sure they realize this is real. This is the true story. The true house story.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you.